Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to On Trial, starring Mark Radlich, also starring Sean Comer. Hope you're ready, Hollywood, because you're On Trial. Court is now in session, the Honorable Judge Fudge presiding. And, of course, I am your host, the mandator reporter, and, frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And this, as the entrance music says, uh, intro music says, is on trial. Tonight we are going to review nothing that is synergized with another movie that's currently out in theaters, uh, nothing that's thematic of anything else going on on the network. Nope. We are taking a left turn at Albuquerque, and we are going to review a movie that I thought would be fun. And, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Your, your mileage may vary. Hi, Robert Winfrey. Um, it, I thought it would be fun when I, when I discovered that there was a list of 0% uh, fresh movies on Rotten Tomatoes. There was a Wikipedia list of all of the movies that I got as zero. I thought it would be fun to look at that list and see, well, who got the most reviews where they gave it a rotten review? And it turns out that movie, the most rotten movie on Rotten Tomatoes of all the ones that have gotten a zero, is the 2002 action thriller starring Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, entitled Ballistic, X versus Sever. But I also remember when that movie came out, how, uh, how, how be- much it was panned by critics, and how the rub on it in the periodicals was, you know, this was the worst movie ever captured on film, and this is... I mean, it was just it was just one negative thing after another, and while I I certainly enjoy the genre or subgenre of so bad it's good, there are sometimes I just have to see something that's so bad just to see how bad it really is. I I have to know. I saw Fan Fan opening night because I had to know how bad it was, uh, and that's just how I roll. So. I pitched it to Sean, and he agreed, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I am in the dubious position of having to defend this thing, and defend it I will, because I can find the silver lining in just about anything. I, I say, go on, put always look on the bright side of life. I sing it at work, and I work in a jail, folks, so you know I can do this. I can successfully defend ballist, Ballistic X versus Sever, no matter how crappy of a movie it is judged by almost anyone that's ever seen it. With that being said, let me bring out my co-host and prosecutor for the evening, Mr. Sean Comer. How do you do, sir? Jack McCoy for the prosecution, Your Honor. I'm Sean, and you're not. And 
you didn't even pick a fun movie this week. <laughs> oh, bit boss. You, no, no you, you you did. You you did. You it's just flat out boring. <laughs> Explosions are fun, Sean. That's the rule. Yeah, usually they should be, but this movie finds a way to just make them forgettable. Well, that's up for debate now, isn't it? Isn't that what we're here for, <laughs> to debate this thing? And you certainly have a strong point of view, but I I have a different point of view, and we'll hear that shortly. But um, you... you <laughs> You seem to want to. You seem to want to hit me over the head with the frying pan for picking this thing. Uh, do you have any notes on it? Anything you'd like to tell us about this piece of trash? Well, rather than go into what I'm sure would be numerous mundane details about the production, I'd really rather just open up with a brief little elaboration on bad movies in general and what makes an entertaining bad movie versus what just makes a bad, bad movie. You see, once upon a time, before midnight movies, hosted sci-fi double features on TV, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and hundreds of derivative internet reviewers, present company included, there really was no unofficial fan-recognized so-bad-it's-good subgenre. There were good movies, and there were bad movies. Flicks that fell into the latter file would simply be cast aside with all the respect afforded to Judy Winslow, Chuck Cunningham, The Arch Deluxe, and Joe Isuzu. Neither revered, nor really scorned through generation to generation, but simply never spoken of again because, well, what's really to say? That's in part because, for all our wistfully nostalgic rose-colored glasses and memories of when you still asked for five Bs for a quarter and Shelbyville was still called Morganville, there was a lot more – there were actually a lot more bad movies rushed into theaters every year. I mean, a number of cult classic turkeys are only so memorable today because we see them through this prism of our own elevated Latter-day standards. For various reasons and an equal in an equal variety of ways, we've been spoiled by simply the higher quality of movies. I mean, chew on this for a second. Our generation is system is cinematically is so cinematically spoiled. We got tired of watching good movies and embraced the pretentious somewhat masturbatory practice of making purposefully awful films that I would compare to slapping a $30 price tag onto a gas station quality trucker hat. In tonight's case, we, and by we I mean Mark, and me for agreeing with Mark, done fucked up, y'all. Blame that on the fact that we briefly misunderstood and kind of took for granted what makes a bad movie what makes a lovably flawed cult classic, and why there's sometimes such a distinct line between the two. As Mark pointed out, this has a 0% freshness rating on Rotten Tomatoes, one of, when you really compare it relative to the number of movies that have been made in the past century, a very, 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 very small fraction of a fraction of films. Now, 
we saw that rating and developed an instant cur- instantly curious pair of the weirdest nerd boners the size of the individual egos on Doug and Rob Walker. The fact is, we sit here tonight not to debate the merits of a misunderstood gem made ahead of its time on a fascinatingly or a fascinatingly derpy disaster like The Room or Showgirls, but something both bad and unfortunately also instantly forgettable. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and a cinematic clunker is nothing more than an inflated dud made in a time when filmmakers have the wisdom at their disposal to know better. Okay. Uh, with that, <laughs> did you have any more, or you just you just stopped there all of a sudden? You good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I thought I had I thought I had more, but I more, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I don't want to get mired in the minutiae here. I want to get to the prosecution and defense of this thing. So. Ladies and gentlemen, there isn't much of a plot here. Um, the setup is that uh, a child is is kidnapped by ex-DIA agent Lucy Liu. Uh, she is being pursued by the villain of this movie, who is um, Michael Gant, who is, uh, is the head of the... He's the director, rather, of the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency. I don't know what that is, but it's in the movie. Um, so the FBI uh, go. Uh, the FBI seeks out uh, Anto- X, who is uh, Antonio Banderas, who left his wife after who left the agency after his wife was allegedly killed in the car bombing. Uh, they get him to investigate the Gantt case, with the premise being that if he does, they'll give him information about his wife, who is in fact alive. Uh, as it turns out, the, uh, his wife is actually the mother of the kidnapped son. And then for a long stretch of the movie, there's a lot of shooting. <laughs> there's a lot of explosions. And we learn that Lucy Liu isn't the bitch who kidnapped the child, but the bitch who's protecting the child. I didn't make that up. That's in the movie. Those are her lines. I'm the bitch protecting the child. Uh, as it turns out, Gant implanted some sort of device in the kid, um, which is why he wants him back. Uh, he used the kid basically as a mule to transport this thing over state lines. Um, X finds out that the kid is actually his son, not Robert Gant's son, and he discovers that the wife is, in fact, alive. Uh, so instead of working at cross purposes, they, X and Sever end up working together to take out Gant. There's more explosions, and eventually Gant is hoisted by his own petard. Uh, The son and the wife are reunited with X, and everyone lives happily ever after. That's literally the movie. Um, Everything else is just a lot of uh, scouring, glowering into the camera um, and stuff blowing up. Stuff blowing up is is literally the plot of this movie. Ex, Antonio Banderas, Lucy Liu, blow lots of things up. So with that said, and I can't wait to talk about it, 
But the prosecution always has the first word and the last. So go ahead, Sean. Tell us why this movie uh, stinks on ice. Thank you, your judgy fudginess. You know, to really draw a bead on the problems with this movie, you actually first have to spend a little time with the title, Ballistic X versus Sever. Well, first off, I can't really fathom why we felt the need to throw ballistic in there because it, it isn't relevant to the plot at all, except for the fact that there's a whole lot of gunplay, but I seriously think they just threw it in there because it's associated with firearms and it kind of sounds cool. Because otherwise, you could throw just about anything in there. We could call this tuna sub X versus actually, you know what, that brings me to the second problem, is... The title itself is just a little bit of a bait-and-switch because the movie isn't really about X versus Sever. I mean, really, it, it doesn't boil down to much of a confrontation or feud between these two because they figure out pretty quickly that it's all a big old wacky misunderstanding. So... It's really more like X versus Gant, but, you know, Gant is such a stock, slimy, kind of growly movie bad guy that do you really even want him headlining your movie? I mean, you might as well just title it X versus just about anyone else, and it would be roughly as accurate. So, headlining Tuna Sub X versus Gamera, we have a pair of performers who actually are relatively competent in just about anything else. I mean, Antonio Banderas, we've established before that I ain't going to have a damn bad thing to say about him because he was in two-thirds of my favorite movie trilogy of all time, Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi Saga. And Lucy Liu is competent enough, but the thing is, you watch these two and you know what they're capable of, and you marvel that these same two people were so respectively magnetic in Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and on the the other hand... um, Lucy Liu was, outstand, was outstanding as Oren Ishii in Kill Bill Volume 1, and she was in front of the camera and said and did things in Charlie's Angels. And Watson and Ally McBeal, I mean... It seems like that should have been a decent pairing, but the thing is, as star power goes, that's really about all you got. You don't even really have a, have a scene stealer of a villain that you can turn to to uh, kind of pick up the slack. Well, a slight correction. I mean, Ray Park is decent enough as uh, AJ, 
A.J. Ross, kind of the head elite agent who tends to give both X and Sever the most trouble. But at the same time, throughout the movie, you also quickly understand why Ray Park so rarely gets speaking roles. He's pretty much there to do cool action shit and say very little. Uh, yeah, I mean, throughout the movie, the biggest problem is not necessarily that it's even hilariously bad. It's so much so that it misses its mark in terms of genre. That's something that you could say about, for example... Okay, just to go the obvious route, as I mentioned in my pseudo-opening statement, uh, Showgirls or The Room, okay? You watch The Room, and you can point to any number of lines, any number of scenes, and they're the ones where you nudge your friend to shut up and you sit forward because you're waiting for this big, infamous laugh line that sums up everything terrible about this movie. Like like the flower shop scene, or the rooftop scene scene in the room, or in Showgirls, it's everybody got AIDS and shit, or <laughs> the the fucking world's most violent lap dance scene, or the or the awful pool fucking, or Elizabeth Berkeley's inexplicably lipstick nipples, something like that. This movie. There really isn't much like that that you can point to. I mean, it's it's something that was evidently made by a guy who, by the way, hand to Zod, I am not making this up, goes by the pseudonym Chaos. That's, that's who directed this, is... His actual name is, I'm going to mispronounce this, I know, but fuck it. Which Chaos Sayananda? Okay, fine. I'll bite. We'll just go with Chaos there. Uh, who apparently had seen just enough action movies that he figured that he knew which cliches and which beats and which tropes to kind of cobble together to make something competent. I'm pretty sure that he wasn't trying to exactly reinvent the wheel here because he had to realize just how, just how original this wasn't. But it's to the point where if you were to take out the names of the characters and you were to take out the names and, and you were to not point out to somebody that it's set in Vancouver – you could be describing just about uh, just about any other movie any other movie out there uh, well any other movie or for that matter any number of other media uh because okay let's see here um let me try this a little bit we have a and in fact feel free to play along mark if i get stumped here we have a cop who has descended into a shadow of his former self because he's mourning the death of his what of his wife and child up until the twist i think we just described the plot of max payne 
Um, let's see here. Uh, we have an assassin on the run who has been accused of a crime that she didn't com- that she didn't commit. Um, well, I mean, the very first one that comes to my mind is obviously the fugitive. Uh, but Mark, help me out here. What can you come up with that's a little more comparable in terms of the tone of this movie? Ooh. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of what got thrown around by reviewers was this is like a you know spy versus spy, uh, at least up until the the uh, the change up at the end. Um, so I'm trying to think of what spy versus spy movies are out there. Mm. there there's got to be. Um, okay, okay. Um, since it's kind of one spy versus everybody, I'm kind of getting almost a little bit of a born identity vibe off of that. Or am I being too generous? No, I, I think that's fine. I'm I'm drawing a blank as to what else I could compare this to, uh, other than you know focusing on just you know the the excessive amount of bullets and explosions there are. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, kid believed dead is turned out to be is turned out to be still turns out to be still alive. Um, Okay, that right there is one of the central plot points of Kill Bill. Uh, you have a uh, actually, man, there there are, there are a lot of movies you can play with with in terms in terms of believe dead turns out to be turns out to be really alive. Almost too many to mention, I would say. Um. And in fact, it gets brought up. It, it almost gets brought up so often, so many times, and you don't see the body, and they foreshadow it so so early that it's hard not to see the twist coming, even if you do end up comparing it to something else. But it's something that I think what I'm trying to get at here is there are a lot of movies where you can describe one or two signature beats or moments like i like i said even among good movies even i mean you you if you had to describe something that would instantly bring to mind taxi driver you know you would talk about you would talk about the mirror scene um the godfather oh god take your pick um the the opening scene in Don in Don Corleone's office. The line I'm going to give him an offer he can't refuse. Waking up next to the horse head. The toll booth scene. Um, any of the above, and on and on and on. You could go on. That would instantly make people think. People think of the Godfather. Um, Empire strikes strikes back. The confrontation between Luke and between Luke and Vader. Um, again, we're talking about. We're talking about uh, Kill Bill, the entire climax of the first of the first movie. This though, you've got nothing you can you can point out that stands out 
as this movie's own. It does have a stupid, convoluted, contrived plot, but, I mean, that could be lots of movies. That could be lots of more entertaining bad movies to watch compared to this one. And the fact is, it's simply forgettable. I mean, you could watch this, and a few days later, you probably wouldn't remember that you watched a movie because it isn't one that makes you feel anything. It isn't one that engages you or anything, despite two leads that should be able to do it. And despite tons of action, and despite even a cool-sounding title, is you've ultimately got nothing. You've got a movie that found a way to make guns and things blowing up boring. That shouldn't be possible. It's no wonder to me that this was actually at one point adapted to a video game because that's what it probably would have been better suited to be, is just simply a budget-priced game. Um, like I said, it's, it, it strikes you as a little bit of a slightly higher-tech Max Payne ripoff. Um, but otherwise, shorter than my usual opening statement would be, but that's all I've got is the fact so far is the fact that this movie got a 0%, but the fact is that that doesn't necessarily mean that it was that it was even entertaining or it was even spectacularly bad. Uh, it was just – it's a thing that exists, and who wants to spend money just to verify, yep, that's a thing that exists? Okay, floor is yours. Okay. Um, I don't have a lot to say in defense of this movie because really its most precious gem amidst uh, the coal, the most precious diamond amidst the coal of this thing is, do you like explosions? Do you like gunplay, gunfire, people shooting at each other. Because that's like 80% of this movie. Occasionally they stop shooting at one another to give an exposition dump or some dialogue. But the entire like third act of this movie is literally <laughs> almost like a Simpsons cartoon where things are just randomly blowing up left and right. The first third of this movie, once the characters are introduced and the plot gets going, the first interaction between X and Sever, they tear up an entire like, mall, an entire like shopping area. It's just endless gunfire. And I smiled through, the, through every single one of these action sequences. I did laugh at one point because it got so absurd. You know, there was a review about this movie where they were like, things were blowing up for no reason. And it, towards the end, that's very true. And I thought that was hilarious. Lucy Liu has no dialogue for the first hour of this movie. 
it's fantastic. She just stares angrily at the camera, or angrily or blankly. It's hard to make out at times. Um, they, for some odd reason, gave Antonio Banderas sort of like a, you know, like a drunk, beaten down uh, detective thing without actually, sh- other than like one scene in a bar at the very beginning, uh, they don't really show him doing that. It's just he's sort of there, and then he, and then he goes after uh, Sever and to, so that he can find his wife. And that's it. That's, that's the last time he'll act that way. The rest of the time, he's involved in the shooting and the blowing up. That's all this movie is. I've made a joke about uh, George Lucas, you know, Phantom Menace being basically a demo reel of CGI and nothing more. But, you know, George Lucas overloaded that movie with a lot of plot that weighed the movie down. This, I'm making the argument, is actually uh, the load is lightened by the lack of plot. I don't think there's anything wrong with a movie that celebrates excessive violence. And let me tell you why I say that. Because everyone listening to this podcast loves your kung fu movies, right? They love kung fu movies. Oh, how have I have to hear Robert Winfrey and Andrew Graham and so many others talk to me about fighting styles and people punching and kicking and punching and kicking. Oy vey. It's not really for me. I don't particularly enjoy it. But those movies exist. And in, in many cases, it's the fighting that makes the movie. Well, take out fighting and put in shooting and explosions. And it's the same basic concept. You're watching a movie, a short movie, thankfully, that celebrates things blowing up. Just as kung fu movies, fighting movies, celebrate hand-to-hand combat. And I think that's why this movie is a a bit of a misunderstood gem. This is celebrating excessive violence. All it was meant to do. And it was actually handled appropriately by not weighing it down with a plot that, you know, is interesting or makes any kind of sense. Because that's not why I'm watching this. I don't care about the plot. Essentially, it's explosion porn. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you go into a look, they weren't in going into this movie trying to make high art, okay? It's you know, it's called, for fuck's sake, it's called ballistic X versus Sever. Right there, that it, you have a winner of a title. It's ballistic. It's guns and explosions. It's you know, it's things blowing up. It's two people fighting each other, and for two thirds of the movie, they do fight each other. There's a whole opening sequence where, uh, or close to opening sequence, where they are on op- opposing sides. Everyone's sh- shooting at, uh, at Sever, and Sever is shooting at everybody else, including X. Then there's the scene where he's being carted off to prison, and one could be led to believe, the way that scene plays out, that she's trying to kill him there too, even though she's actually trying to set him free. They don't get together until the very end of the movie. Uh, the the very last act of the movie, 
and, you know, and then they fight side by side. I'm not saying the acting is great. I'm not saying the plot is great. I'm not even saying this was competently made, necessarily. There are some issues with some of the editing and, and direction, obviously. But when your goal, and I think this is important, comedy should make you laugh, and explosion porn should have lots of explosions, should give your characters a lot of, uh, many, many reasons to fight and shoot and blow things up. And in that sense, it's, it's, it's exceedingly successful. I frankly enjoyed the movie. Maybe that says something about my taste, but I wasn't necessarily bored by it. They moved along enough of the, the quiet scenes fast enough that, you know, and got back to what, what we're all here for, that I never, I never really had time to be bored. It, this is not a long movie. It's, it's like a, barely 90 minutes. Uh, I can tell you exactly how long it is. Uh, yeah, 91 minutes. Okay, so you know, one minute over an hour and a half. whoop de do. Um, you know, and then you you even do have one hand to hand fight scene between Ray Ray Park and Lucy Liu. For all of you who uh, who like that sort of thing. And in conclusion, as I was saying. You go to see a romance, you want to see people kiss and make love, and you want to see all of the elements of romance. You know, you go to a comedy, you want to laugh. You go to an action movie, you want to see action. And then this movie uh, displays it in spades. I can't fault a movie that does its job. Now, if you were bored by it, you know, again, as Robert Winfrey would say, your mileage may vary. Yes, obviously some people are not going to enjoy this. Uh, this isn't their bag. But if you just want mindless explosion porn, you got mindless explosion porn. And I don't think anybody involved in this movie thought this was going to be anything more than that. Your witness, sir. See, here's the problem with that notion, though, is, yes, things blow up. It's mindless explosion porn. Um, but, you know, there was another action movie that I remember being released not too far either before or after Ballistic X versus Sever that actually managed to, do, managed to be plenty more, ex, more exciting of a thrill ride. And managed to do it while providing at least some character consistency, better action, a followable plot, and a lack of bullshit contrivance. Uh, it's called The One. Hell, that one at least gave at least gave us Delroy Lindo, Jason Statham, and Jet Li. And granted, none of those guys are exactly going to be perennial Oscar nominees. Okay, that's not fair. At least it was fast-paced action that made sense. It was fast-paced action that bothered to set itself apart. By the same token, if you're looking for just more of a pure shoot-'em-up action, action movie, albeit one with obviously an entirely different sci-fi twist, fuck. The first two Transformers movies were also full of explosions and shit going boom and 
things getting shot and crashes and bangs and booms and they at least managed to be hilarious not intentionally but they were <laughs> funny I mean this one you have to be really bad when the first person shooter that that was released for the Game Boy Advance to tie in with your movie actually ends up vastly better re- better reviewed than your associated movie was. Um, and in fact, yeah, X versus Sever for the Game Boy Advance uh, is based on an early script from the movie. Um, and <laughs> I obviously take this with a grain of salt because the the running joke I like to throw out there is, oh, check cleared, 9 out of 10 from IGN. Uh, but overall, it was overall it was actually reviewed fairly well, uh, really, really well. As a matter of as a matter of fact, uh, got an aggregate seventy six percent on game rankings, eighty out of a hundred on Metacritic. Um, and at the time, uh, in fact, IGN dubbed it the quote best GBA first person shooter to date. And one of the first four-player games made yet for the game... Okay, well, the latter quote is just stating a fact. One of the the best, and that's one of the first, sorry. uh, One of the best four-player games made yet for the Game Boy Advance. So, there you go. Your video game tie-in managed to set itself apart and be more ambitious than the movie it was based on. That is fucking rare. You can say that about a handful of of instances, and about the first and one of the only ones that really comes to my mind is how much better the video game version of X-Men Origins Wolverine was than the the X-Men movie we simply do not speak of. So there really isn't a whole lot else left left to say except that I can see where we went wrong. And it's the fact that if you look at Rotten Tomatoes and you see that 0% score, okay, that's a sign you just shouldn't watch the movie. This is not a so bad it actually transcends and becomes fun to watch title. If that's what you're looking for, you want to go on Rotten Tomatoes, and, and well, and if Rotten Tomatoes is what you're going with as your litmus test, which I don't necessarily advise either, you actually want to look for a movie that has an actual freshness rating, uh, like somewhere between, let's say between 10 and 30 percent. Because there what you have is you have the possibility, the higher that gets toward that mark, that what you're going to find are you're going to find critical reviews, and this is actually where Metacritic or IMDb might even be even better than Rotten Tomatoes, is, yeah, you're going to find lots of negative critical reviews, but you're also going to find more earnest fan reviews that point out, yes, terrible, but 
it's a kick in the nuts you'll actually enjoy because it's just so it's just so clumsy in its supposedly earnest effort it it's not so bad it's good it's just plain it's just plain overall bad just about every possible plot twist is telegraphed from the very very beginning and right up to the end of it the core of the movie is not in fact that it's x versus sever it's there's a misunderstanding between x versus sever and so that's why dildo x versus roman reigns doesn't even really li- doesn't even really live up to its title it still is a fake out and not necessarily the good kind not the kind that's giving you necessarily a mystery that you're following right up to the very end it's one that promises something and ultimately just gives you something much weaker and it threads it with characters that are so stock and so poorly fleshed out that you can't invest anything in them you simply don't care I mean, about the nicest thing I can say about this through and through is, yeah, as I heard one reviewer put it, it is it is absolutely one of the most Canadian movies you will ever see in your life. Um, it is, you know, it, it isn't just shot in Tor- shot in Vancouver. It, it you know it bleeds maple syrup. Um, it, it you know it it. it pretty much bleeds Molson and shits Timbits. It's so Canadian. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> we've been trying so hard to kind of pad this out with commentary, but as I pointed out, there's just so little to say about it. It deserves its place on the ash heap as just a forgotten movie because, as I've said so many times, if I'm going to watch something bad, at least give me something that makes me feel angry about how bad it is. I can watch Hellraiser Revelations and at least feel something. I can at least come away pissed at that. Yeah, this is short, but at the same time, by the time it's over, I'm sitting there and all I've been doing is probably just cataloging the various things I could have gotten done while I was watching a movie that I'm not going to remember in 10 minutes. So that's really all there is to it. Case closed. A cigar is sometimes just a cigar, and sometimes a piece of shit is just a piece of shit, and this is a piece of shit. I liked it. <laughs> I, I had no expectations. And I was, uh, I'm not even joking. Like, like this isn't shtick. I, I kind of wish it was, but I'm sitting there watching this thing, and I really am just having fun watching things blow up, and I'm realizing that's all there is to this movie. Because when it does, let, let me come out of trying to defend this thing and, and just give, like, a straight-up review. When the movie stops to be a movie, it sucks. It's terrible. 
Um, nobody. It's like Antonio Banderas' worst performance. I don't know what the hell happened to Lucy Liu. You know, is it like the direction was like, you know, stare blankly into the camera. Fantastic. Cut. Print. Um, nothing in this movie makes any sense at all. But when it stopped being a movie and it just became destruction porn, I was having the time of my life. Every, especially in the third act when all of the containers are blowing up randomly, I was laughing my ass off. I had, you know... If it's not for you, it's not for you. If you didn't, if you did not have fun watching it, that's fine. I mean, you know, we're, we all have different tastes here. But I'm not even kidding when I tell you every container made me, every container blowing up made me laugh, and I was having fun with it. I was unfor- unfortunately I was forced to buy a copy of this um, digitally. It was, it was, I, I don't know how else I could have gotten to uh, watch it. I don't do, uh, I don't do the, what do you call it? Uh, you know, when you download it off the, the internet from someplace. Um, Pirating? To that, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I either rent it uh, digitally or I watch it on Netflix or Hulu or something. And, you know, it wasn't, it just wasn't available anywhere. Um, sometimes I luck out and it's on cable, but not this thing. So I was lucky that my cable provider, you know, sold a digital copy of it uh, for fairly cheap. So now I own, <laughs> right next to Star Wars and the, Star- and the Toy Story trilogy, I own a digital copy of Ballistic X versus Sever. And I don't know when I'll watch it again, but I could see myself watching it again you know, with like my kids or something, if, if you know, when they get older and, and if they have a taste for the absurdly uh, violent, you know, sitting there and watching it with them and having a grand old time. This is one of those, to me, inoffensive movies where it's like you put it on and you have, and if you're, if you have fun with it, you'll have fun with it. And you, you kept using the word, you know, well, it's forgettable. Um, okay. But, so what? <laughs> you know, I agree. Movies should make you feel something, and that's certainly one of those things that you know make is the drawing line between a good and a bad movie. But as you said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and sometimes you just want to watch stuff blow up. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but yeah, but you know, I kind of counter that with the notion that, from a certain business perspective. Movies in general, especially not bigger studio films like this, like this was, are are not fucking cheap to make. I mean, especially when you're making an action movie. So, if you're going to do that, at least make something that demonstrates an intent to make something slightly ambitious. Something yeah, that's going. You don't to, think that that would be intent? Well, I mean, I mean making the, the the thing is making making a memorably clumsy, horrible first impression is at least still making a memorable first impression. This though, it just it aims to blend in, and why spend that much money if that's all that you're going to do? 
Um, but I, but Sean, I don't think that was the intention. I think they in earnest tried to make a decent movie, and it was just a horrible disaster. I mean, this this director, chaos. <laughs> God, it's <this is> terrible. <laughs> I'm looking to see like what else. Like, okay, he's here are his credits. Okay, uh, he directed Fa in 1998, Ballistic X vs. Sever, Angels. Tekken 2, Kazuya's Revenge, and Zero Tolerance. I have heard of none of these. Um, oh, my God. Made Tekken 2? Holy shit. Um, but, no, the thing is, it, it doesn't take it doesn't take any chances. It doesn't do anything to set itself apart. It, I mean, you know, I, think just, a, I think you could say, like, this was what the director and, and the writers thought would make a good movie. And, and it's kind of like, <laughs> I, I guess the best way I can, I can explain is I think, like I said, there was an earnest attempt at making something good made by people who just aren't talented. And the actors in the movie who are talented really struggled with that yoke on them, I'm sure. I think they tried the best they could, but they had nothing to work with. But that, that's what I think this is. It's like, you know, you think to take somebody who just, just has no talent but really loves movies and has seen so many action movies. He's like, I'm going to go make one. He has no idea what makes these things work or what goes into making a movie. And then someone throws him a bunch of money because, he, because somebody came up with a great idea and they said, okay, go out there and film this. You know, here's $90 million. Go make a movie with Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, who were both hot actors at the time, this, you know, and make a fun action film for people to go see because those, cause that sells. And, like, they tried their best, and it just didn't work out, and it shows that the, the, the folks involved in the craft of this movie just didn't know what they were doing. They thought they did. They tried. They tried hard. But there, there's just this gap in what they believe to be, what they believe works, and what actually works. And I kind of find, you know, I, I find that adorable, actually. You know, it's as, as much as I love movies, um, as as I've made clear many times, I, I consider myself probably more of a gamer than anything else. And it's a problem that you also see in that business, and in actually a lot of entertainment media as well, is the notion of something makes a huge, a huge financial and critical splash, and it becomes absolutely the talk of the talk of the industry. And then the problem is everybody else decides, okay. Imitate that. That is what we want. Just don't don't be all fancy and try to do something original. Just give us that. Just focus on just doing just doing that, imitating that as closely as you possibly can. That's how we ended up with so many Call of Duty clones, um, especially among the AAA gaming market is the fact that year after year, it was one of, if not the best-selling, non-sports game around. And so you just had 
one studio after another after another after another that just wanted the next Call of Duty. That was all they wanted. They just wanted another, you know, another brown, noisy shooter. And for a while there, that was all a lot of studios and a lot of major publishers were churning out in terms of first-person shooters. Just these repetitive Call of Duty clones. Uh, so much so that he, that even Call of Duty kind of became a parody of itself after a while. And in part, it was because you had executives and still have executives who didn't really understand the people who were buying their products. And I feel like that's what happens so often with movies is every time something comes along in a given year and really stands out from the pack and manages to make a huge, utterly insane bank by bringing something original to the table. Well, we saw it with Paranormal Activity. That was the resurgence of the found footage movie. Paranormal Activity came out. It absolutely took the box office by storm with a guerrilla marketing campaign and critical praise and made its budget back, back, I think, like 50, 100 times over or something. And then you just had one studio after another, after another, after another that just wanted to make another shaky cam, found footage, slapdash-looking exorcism or haunting movie Um, without stopping to think about – and I I had to write a blog about this for a a client recently. It was kind of eye-opening, actually. The idea of first look at what everything people like already has in common, and then – Turn focus on, okay, what are people saying they want that nobody is giving them? But instead, we just keep getting movie ideas like this that ultimately get handed over to directors, most often people who have worked in music videos, uh, who either haven't made very many movies or they have – or they've never made one. And, but it's just because the studios know that the kids like the music videos with the quick cuts and the loud noises and noises and the, and the music and the gore. And it ends up just entirely missing the point. But they think they're doing a good thing. They think they're making something that's going to be better than everybody else at what everybody else is already doing. Instead, it's just another movie that's doing what everybody else is doing. And it ultimately leads me to go, well, why would I watch this when I could go watch something that's a hundred times that's a hundred times better? You know, it's yeah, you're you're kind of like this movie. You're kind of like that movie. Well, then why wouldn't I just go? Why wouldn't I just go and just watch that movie instead of yours? Because life is about variation, Sean. We must we must try different things, even if they're terrible. 
which I feel like is becoming a theme on this show. It's not the first time I've said that. <laughs> yeah, taste this. It's disgusting. What? Get that away from me. No, taste it. Live life. All right. Uh, that's going to be the final word on this. Live life. That's what I say. Enjoy your um, All right. <laughs> so, my gas station burrito. As I was telling people at work today, you haven't lived until you've eaten a gas station burrito. And they said, we'll live without it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that I feel like is my struggle. You know, little, little sidetrack, yeah, while well, I'm I'm shamelessly ripping off uh, Chris Hardwick's uh, Nerdist sign-off. and But, you know, it's funny. Did you know that I recently actually heard the story behind how that came to be? Yeah? Uh, yeah. Uh, th- this, is why I th- this is why I think everybody should at least once read a copy of his book, uh, The Nerdist Way. Uh, he talks about this toward the end of it. Um uh, it goes back to an episode of the Nerdist podcast when he and Jonah Ray were joined by um, uh, shit brain brain fart um, blanking on his on his name. Uh, hang on, I'm actually having I can't even look this up. Uh, Rain Wilson. They were joined by Rain Wilson. And uh, Jonah was telling a story about how some days when absolutely nothing was going right, the one thing in the world that would make him happy would be going to the little Mexican place around the corner from his apartment and getting a burrito and really savoring it. But then he would get sad again toward the end because then he would realize that his burrito was almost gone. And at some point toward the end of it, when they were getting ready to sign off, Rain kind of chimed in with the phrase, enjoy your burrito, and something along the lines of, you know, enjoy what you've, enjoy what you've got now. You know, enjoy what you, enjoy what you have. Find pleasure in the moment. Because eventually, it's going to be gone. Well, I, I actually agree with that sentiment. Uh, next Absolutely. week on next week right here on this very show, we're gonna do uh, Blade Runner because uh, the uh, the Blade Runner sequel, thirty years in the making, Blade Runner twenty forty nine will be coming out this Friday. So Tuesday we'll review that on Damn You Hollywood, and then Sean and I will be back um, Thursday, the uh, October twelfth, for the original Blade Runner, and and I'm gonna go ahead and nominate. Uh, as far as which version, the theatrical cut. Um, okay. That's available That's available on iTunes, so that's an easy get for me. Uh, I'm assuming you'll be able to find it. That's the one we're going to go with. Yep. All right. Um, tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we're going to review the new Primus, the Desaturating 7. And in a bit of a flip-flop here, normally we do the TV parties on Tuesday when there isn't a damn you Hollywood um, and then we do Beyond Trials on Thursday, or Thursday, whatever you like. Uh, we're going to do Hannibal, Season 1. Robert Winfrey has been chomping at the bit. He can't wait. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and do that on uh, this Thursday. Coming up Monday, October 9th, source material will be dropping the DC versus the Hanna-Barbera universe um, that we talked about. 
we'll have uh, Josh Calandros on the show to judge. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> and on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we're going to review the new Cradle of Filth. So that's what we got going on for the next uh, for this week and next week. John, what do you got going on? Uh, really nothing much. I finally have something in the works. Uh, I'm going to be making a comeback to writing about professional wrestling sometime in the fairly near future. But uh, I'm still sort of fleshing that out. So when I know more about that, you guys will know. In the meantime, you know, I'm just kind of living life at this point. <laughs> um, so uh, anytime you would like, uh, you can tweet at me on Twitter, at Comer Codex. Um, and until then, as I always say around this time, thank you to all of you who you who download the show, who listen live, those of you who love the show and tell a friend, who hate it and tell someone that you hate. Um, you all are the reason why we do what we do. And thank you. Oh, and um, welcome to anybody who might have happened to join us after I kind of accidentally plugged us uh, on Twitch in uh, Dex Bonuses stream, um, after which I had to hurriedly apologize to the mods because I didn't mean to kind of throw a plug out there. Um, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> um, but thank you also to Jesse Starcher uh, for that always awesome theme music and voiceover that kicks them off every week or every two weeks. Um by all means, uh, find us on Facebook, the Radlich and Broadcasting Network, and let us know if you have any suggestions for something you would like to see us cover. <laughs> see, uh, yeah, see on the podcast. Hear us cover uh, cover here on uh, on trial on TV party tonight. Metal Hammer of Doom. Damn you, Hollywood. Anything you would like. Oh, and also, should we ever get back to it, uh, Mark's show because blank made me where one of us suggests something for him for him to watch because we just feel like he needs to see it. Uh, we always welcome that. And in the meantime, remember that $20 will buy mini peanuts and never dull your colors for someone else's canvas. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, for Sean Comer, I am your mandated reporter, Mr. Mark Rattles, and, frank, and frankly, I'm mortified. This has been On Trial... Uh, the judge has left the building. He's following Elvis. Be well, be safe, and behave. Try that again. There we go. 